Well, I, uh, I have realized that, uh, I realized yesterday that you guys are becoming more and more comfortable with me, okay? Uh, I had a moment yesterday, okay, um, that uh, I, uh, I was, it was doing pretty good on writing my sermon on Friday. I was like, okay, I'm on my page eight coming into Saturday. I'm going to have a nice little breakfast, have a little bacon and eggs, have a little cup of coffee, start out the day pretty good. Started writing my sermon around 11 o'clock. I'm getting through. I'm almost done. And then all of a sudden, my computer just goes, whink. And I was like, rut row. And I try to reboot it, didn't work, try to reboot it again. Now, you've, if you've been there, right, deep panic is setting in. I'm like, oh, Lord, not only have I not saved my sermon on anything but my local drive, I have been one of those guys who hasn't, I haven't saved anything since probably the summer, except on my local drive. And I'm like, I am about to lose my life. And I was freaking out. I'm calling people. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm, se- I'm scheduling Geek Squad appointments. I'm just trying to do whatever I can. And, and I'm like, okay, my last ditch ever, I'm just going to throw something out on Facebook, see if anybody is, is, is out there who maybe is willing to help me. So I just write, anyone able to give me Mac assistance? And the first thing I get from my wonderful congregation is, yes, buy a Windows PC. Next, I received dancing macaroni for mac and cheese. (laughs) Then I received one of a panda smashing a computer. Followed by, I thought you were talking about mac and cheese. Followed by a recipe on YouTube for mac and cheese. (laughs) Thank you, thank you for your wonderful appreciation of me. Just to let you know, I got it, okay? I found, I, I safe mode, got it all set, got my stuff off my computer, Praise Jesus, okay? So, just know that those things have happened. All right, um, Google Street View. It is a virtual tool that allows users to view eye-level images of a location defined on Google Maps and really extends to cover many parts of the world that are accessible by car. However, uh, the people of the Faroe Islands that are off the coast of Denmark found out that they were not yet mapped by Google Streets. And so they inquired about this happening. And uh, really, this, was, uh, this, this effort was led by one woman who, um, as you hear the story, I pretty much want to meet this woman. She sounds awesome. Uh, she sent in a request that Google supply cameras that would be able to take 360-degree photos. And how that was going to happen was by strapping them to the backs of sheep that inhabit the island. And so when Google received this request, their simple response was, this is brilliant, we're doing it. And they, then they sent the cameras, they sent the equipment uh, to strap on the sheep of the island, and the sheep did a great job of roaming the land and taking pictures as they went. And I mean, I, honestly, it really goes to show you, if there's a wool, there's a way. No? Yeah? Eh? Okay. All right. All right. I'll make a note. Okay. Right? Here's a... <laughs> I still think it's good. Okay. Uh, mo- yeah, most people, I mean, they don't even know that these islands exist. I mean, I don't know, I don't know of anybody who's actually traveled there. Um, and we can dismiss small places as insignificant, and, and, and we can think that they don't matter. 
I mean, we are more than a, than a, than a wood chipper, am I right? We can feel forgotten when we talk to, to people from places that seem to have more significance than where, when, where, where we are from. But sometimes it, it is from the smallest of places that greatness can rise. During Advent this year, we are, we are looking at how God is with us. That is literally what Emmanuel means. And we are doing that through the songs that we sing. And so we start out our service today by singing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And, and that song is actually based on the, the prophecy in the Old Testament written by the prophet uh, Micah, written in the book of Micah. And I'd like for us to actually turn there um, here this morning to look at, at God's Word. And so uh, if you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. And we also have it printed in our worship folders as well. And it says this in, in verse 1. It says, Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Micah chapter 5, it's, it is one of those texts that, that the Gospels reference to interpret who Jesus actually was. Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, the wise men, they cite Micah's oracle to inform King Herod that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem in chapter 2. In the Gospel of John, it mentions that a group of people who refer to this text, that, they, that that's how they understand Jesus' identity in John chapter 7. And, and even when Micah is writing this, he's writing this in the middle uh, of the 8th century and, and after the vision of, of Israel and the vision of the kingdom, there is this place that, that Micah is writing into these people and, and, and when he's writing it, it has a specific meaning to our particular people. See, because he was speaking to a people who had lost their way. People who were worshiping idols, people, uh, merchants who were using unbalanced scales to rip people off. And, and in the midst of that, in the midst of that, there were people that were right on their doorstep, forces that were right there to take over their land. And this prophecy comes right in the middle of all of that. What's interesting is it actually doesn't deny their current circumstances. It doesn't gloss over. It doesn't say, well, don't worry about those things now because this other thing is happening. It doesn't do that. It doesn't deny their current circumstances of what they're facing. But what it does do is it lifts their eyes to the promises of old that, that were of a greater hope than the hope that they were maybe putting their time and their effort into. Micah points them to a reversal of the abandonment that they will be facing and he does that with a signal. And the signal is this, that there is going to be a birth of a child. That Christ will be born. But the, what the Lord is really steering them towards is expecting the unexpected. I think maybe you've maybe heard that phrase before. We know what it kind of means. Expecting the unexpected is not to be surprised by an unusual event. Um, it, it basically means anything can happen, and, and it probably will. 
And I think this is something that I, I think we all grasp to a certain degree. And I think we live our lives, a lot, of, a, a, a lot of our lives in this way of expecting the unexpected, okay? For instance, say you're going to take your brand new uh, newborn out to Chris Crindle Market a couple of weeks ago, okay? You make sure he's had his nap, he's eaten, he's got a fresh diaper before you leave. But let me ask you a question. Are you telling me you are not leaving the house without an extra change of clothes? I don't think so. I think that you are bringing an extra change of clothes. Actually, I may bet that some of you would actually even pack two changes of clothes before you would leave the house because you know that you have to be able to expect the unexpected, okay? You ever take your kids to, uh, uh, out on a day to maybe go to Maple Park or, or maybe just out for the day? What do you do? You pack your car. This is probably what your car looks like just for a simple day trip, okay? I mean, come on, right? You, I'm like, oh, you going somewhere for a week? And they're like, no, just a couple hours, okay, right? Because you never know what they're going to need, Right? We need to expect the unexpected. Traveling in the Midwest during the winter, right? It makes us look like we're basically doomsday preppers, okay? I mean, you never know, right? right? This, is the, this is what our trunk has all in it, right? We are, we are prepared to go into a ditch when it's minus 30 outside and we better have some beef jerky and a shovel and all these things because you never know what's gonna happen, right? We need to expect the unexpected, or, you know, when you're going to your Uncle Brian and Aunt Nicole's house for the holidays and you're going to arrive for lunch and, and you know that that basically only means crackers and cheese because your family eats like birds, not like humans. And so you pack Slim Jims in your book bag because you, even though your dad has reassured you that that's not going to be the case. Okay, that's just me, okay? Um, but you have to expect the unexpected. The unexpected thing here is that Christ is from Bethlehem. The king is not from Jerusalem, which would have been expected. That's where greatness comes from, right? It comes from places like Jerusalem, not Bethlehem. On top of that, David, King David, the, the, the person that is important in this prophecy, also comes from Bethlehem. He was unexpected too. I mean, he was not the oldest of his brothers. It was supposed to be the oldest. He was the youngest. He was, he was unassuming in his stature. He was not a general. He was just a pure shepherd boy. And yet he was the one who was called to be king. And he was also the king through whom the eternal covenant would play out. Through his lineage. We see the continual fulfillment of promises by God even in the midst of our rebellion. You go to the beginning of Scripture. Go into the book of Genesis, even though Abraham and his son Isaac and his son Jacob, they did not obey the Lord, but they were still reminded that God was going to preserve them and was going to rescue them. That Jacob, in passing the blessing on to his son Judah, tells him that the scepter will not depart from his tribe. Then it is prophesied that the future king will come from the line of David, and now we have the prophecy that from Bethlehem will be the place for this future ruler of all Israel will come from. So what we have here is the promise of the future Messiah, the ruler of Israel, an expectation that God will come to be with us even from an unexpected place. See, the irony of Advent is that this season of preparation and anticipation includes a hopeful expectation of that which is unexpected. 
Many of us who have heard these scriptures so many times, year after year of Advent celebrations, may have trouble fully appreciating this, this logic, this startling logic that we see. But I'm just going to say, maybe perhaps we just, we don't need to look very much farther than our own lives. Micah calls us to see God's faithfulness in surprising ways to look where we might not expect. I mean, you see, Micah's prophecy serves as a reminder that the promise of God's covenant is certain, yet the expression of its fulfillment is not always predictable. As I have mentioned before this month, we are looking at lyrics from the song from some of the popular songs that we usually sing during the Advent season, and, and we're looking at a little town of Bethlehem to see this promise of Emmanuel and the lyrics. Uh, the lyrics that I would like us to kind of look at this morning are, are these. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Where we can see God as Emmanuel is in his everlasting light breaking into our darkness. The darkness of, of ourselves, the darkness of our world and its brokenness. And you think about it, that darkness manifests itself differently for, for different people. But I think we all have to recognize that that, that darkness is something that we cannot avoid. It, it is there and we all kind of see that. And maybe you experience the darkness through the season in, in, in some of these ways. Maybe you experience some of that brokenness and that darkness because of the loneliness you have because of broken relationships. Maybe something has been severed and something has been lost and it's not the same as it was and you're feeling that, you're sensing that, you're experiencing that. Maybe even right now. Maybe you're experiencing that because you've actually never found that connection that you are longing for and that you are hoping for and it feels as though there is a void because of it. Maybe you're experiencing that darkness because of the loss of someone that actually was there. Somebody that you maybe did share that life with, but now is no longer here. And, and you can't celebrate the way that you used to. Maybe you're experiencing it because something has happened that has changed the meaning of this season into something that feels more like a stain. It's hard to get past. Maybe you're experiencing that darkness because materialism is creeping up on you and, 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 and avoiding it and... And, and taking over your psyche, keying you into a state of comparison of what you have and what you don't have. Maybe it's, maybe it's that darkness is coming upon you because of perfectionism, that this holiday has to look a certain way. This season has to look a certain way, and it takes control of you that you can't even celebrate the things that you have because it has to be this certain way and you can't get it. See, sin has created darkness in ourselves and in the world around us, and we cannot, avoid it, 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 we cannot avoid it or its stain. And I think that there are certain times during the year that it can seem stronger, and maybe, maybe for you it's the season. Uh, maybe for you it's another one. Maybe it's, it's not a particular season. Maybe it's just there's this constant kind of thing that's there. But I'll tell you what, we, I think we do a good job of hiding or ignoring that stain, don't we? Uh, just recently, we had the opportunity to take family photos, uh, and we, we did them in our four. It was an awesome time to kind of take family photos. It was fun. It was interactive. It was a way for us to kind of do that together and have some fun. Uh, Krista did a great job of taking those photographs and sending the families, and maybe some of you use them as Christmas cards. Uh, I know I've actually received one or two of those in my mailbox, and it's fun to see those, see those pictures. But I got to admit something to you just for a second. Uh, 
The favorite, my, my most favorite cards I receive during Christmas season are like the awkward family photos. Those are my favorite. Like if I, if I see like one kid who's sort of like crying on the side or like someone's pulling somebody's hair or maybe there's like a small poop stain. Okay, like those things, I just love it. Okay, I gotta admit, I'm just like, confession time here, right? Those, those moments, like, I, I, I see that. I see the goofy faces, right? And I just see the parents, like, they're, like, shrugging in the background, like, I can't help it. It's just kind of, this is who we are, right? I love those, I love those moments because it, it just shows me the, the reality of, of life. It shows me the realness that, like, you know what? Everything isn't peachy king and perfect all the time. This is kind of who we are. But I, I think our normal tendency is to hide those kind of moments, the darkness, the, the imperfection of our families and our lives. We don't like to admit to others, and, and oftentimes we don't even like to admit it to ourselves. I could take you, pause for a moment. Think about the moment in which we find this prophecy. And the moment of that very first Christmas. Both are filled with a world of darkness. They're filled with political strife. They're filled with countries that were war-torn and full of chaos. And I'm sure there was plenty of people during those times saying, it cannot get any worse than this. I mean, Mary, if we think about that very first Christmas, Mary was very, very pregnant, but was required to travel. I mean, she was an unwed, pregnant teenager who gave birth while away from home in Bethlehem due to a census without anyone but Joseph. She didn't have any health care. She didn't have a medical, medical system. And Mary gave birth in, the bar, in a barn in the middle of nowhere. The shepherds and the magi traveled in the darkness of night. The angels came in the night to proclaim the coming of Christ. Micah, Micah prophesied in the darkness of his time and his culture of one who was to come. We see all of this. Now, if you look continually out throughout Scripture, you see God even coming to people at night. He, he, he enters dreams of people at night. Jesus meets with Nicodemus in the middle of the night. God manifests himself in the burning bushes and breaks into the darkness of Moses' life. But it's his light that breaks through the darkness in all of those times. That the true light of the world steps down into darkness. That God is with us as he brings his light of salvation to all of those who believe. John chapter 1 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, darkness is only the absence of light. Jesus calls himself the light of the world in John chapter 8. It's one thing that this text that we're looking at this morning points us to. That he is the light of the world. And what this means is that the world is full of darkness, but there is a light who has entered it. It also means that Jesus is the only light, and without him we cannot fully see. But it also means that the world was made for this light. This is not a, it's not a foreign light. But the light that was meant to shine here, the light of one who was the one who was the owner of the world. And lastly, that it means that this light of the world will one day shine over the earth just like the waters cover the seas. That is the light of the world that we are talking about. So as the song lyrics say to us in the darkness of our streets that there is an everlasting light that is breaking through. 
that our hope is being made complete in him, that Jesus, the one who has come as the light of the world and who has come to us as Emmanuel, that is what we celebrate during the season. Do you know that to be true? I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe, maybe this season is, is hard right now. Maybe, maybe you're just anticipating and you're excited, but, but there are also things that you're maybe nervous about or giving you anxiety. I don't know what those things are for you, but I want you to be reminded of the, the fact that there has been the true light of the world has stepped into, into the darkness of this world that has done that, has claimed that victory, and that is still doing that in our lives. I hope you are reminded of that this morning, the invitation that we have in the gospel, that wonderful, as we said, even in, during the offering, that indescribable gift that we've been given, that this season reminds us of. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful, um, Lord, that your word is something that can be preached. It can be something that's read. It can be something that's listened to. And it is the word that is everlasting. It is living. It is active. And it can penetrate anything. Father, we are so thankful that your word and what you have done have penetrated this world. And Father, that we can hear of this hope that we can have in you. That, that even in the midst of feeling hopelessness at times, that there are midst of feeling, of feeling not enough, Lord, that you are our contentment, that you are our identity, that you are the one that has stepped into the darkness of our sin and our mess and into our funk. And Lord, I have brought life. And life that is abounding. Father, I'm so thankful as we even just heard in our eternity series over this fall, Lord, that we don't have to wait. It's not as though we have to wait to get to heaven to be with you. We get to be with you right now. You've given us that opportunity. Even when we've drifted, even when we've walked away from you, Lord, that you are the one seeking us. It's so amazing to be reminded of that. Father, I thank you just for, for your word and this reminder that you've given us this morning. Lord, we are going to be coming before your table and we're just so thankful that we have an invitation for your grace and your forgiveness that, that when we confess, Lord, that you invite us. Come. Come and receive your grace. So, Father, we're thankful for that. We pray this in your name. Amen. As we traditionally kind of say here um, at Triumph, this is not a a reward for the righteous, it's a provision for the needy. And if, if, if for the first time you've, you just came here because somebody invited you, and you're like, I don't even know about this whole guy named Jesus and what that's about, but you have the Holy Spirit that just worked in your heart, and you just said, holy guacamole. There is a guy named Jesus who is the Son of God, and he's died for me to wipe my slate clean and give me new hope then this table's for you. If you've walked away and you've distanced yourself and maybe you're going through the motions, but you're recognizing, man, I need this. This is for you. And if this is something where you've just been in a continual place of going, I've always needed Jesus and I know that and I need him now today, this table's for you too. Let us hear in the, the gracious invitation that the Lord has given us to us in his scriptures. It says, that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just. And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that. He says, come to me, all who are weary, heavy burdened. I'll give you rest. We hear the Gospel in John where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him 
will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is a moment where we as a congregation, we stand together and we confess we confess what we know to be true in the Apostles' Creed. As a, it's a great summary of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what we, what we believe and what matters. And so we stand during our communion time and we say that together. So I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able. And we're going to confess the Christian faith as it is as expressed in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.